0: Well, hello again. It's good to be with you again. Pastor Brown from Akron Alliance Fellowship Church here in Akron, Ohio. Uh, We're just looking forward to what the Lord is going to share with us all because we're moving on from the area of God speaking to us to his church. Uh, The reason God speaks to us is in order to guide us in his church and the things that he wants his church to do. There's no use having a church, and God doesn't speak to us, or God doesn't direct us or lead us. And we are a people who look to a living God to guide us through all these difficulties called life. And it's just a joy to serve him, to see what he's going to do. And I hope that you're ready to just dig in a little bit. Open the ears, open the heart, open the mind that God may speak to us because we need to hear from him. You don't need to hear from me. You really need to hear from the living God that we serve and understand really how great he is. He is an awesome, awesome God. Can you never say that enough? He's an awesome God. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful God. He is God. There is no other. And what a joy it is to serve him. And even when we don't serve him, we need to understand some. It's a blessing to have him in our lives doing what he does. Even when I'm not aware of what he's doing, I see it sometime after. That was God doing that? God kept me. God opened the door. God caused that person to do that for me. And at that moment, I didn't recognize it. But as I sit and ponder him and thank him, there's times he brings back to mind what he's done that I didn't even recognize. He's so good to us. Well, let's pray, and we're going to get on with a question that's been asked me by two of our men at our church. And they were very sincere. Both of them are older men today. One's a younger man than the other one. He just recently retired, so he's still up there in age. He, He just turned 62, 63, and and he just retired. But both of them, not knowing that the other had asked me this question, asked it at different time. Pastor, why aren't we seeing young people come to the church? Why aren't we seeing young people? come to the church and I, had, I, I really didn't have an answer for that in all honesty no answer and I hate to have thought well my fault our fault what's going on who do we blame for this and I still don't know where to really put my rope around what. And we could say, well, they just don't care or we don't care or we're missing the point. And, but what do we need to correct it that we hit the target? This spiritual battle is really exactly that. It's a spiritual battle. That part I believe. Why? Because Satan doesn't want a young generation to know the God that we know. And our young generation has to be willing to accept the God of this Bible, not the God that they dream of or the God that they want to be God. But they have to be willing to accept him. So let's pray and let's give a little thought to this. And In this I will concede that I don't have all the answers. I'm in the same boat you're in. We're looking for them. But asking God to guide us in it. So let's pray. Father. We want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we don't know exactly, Lord, where this study is going to lead us or how you're going to speak to us. But, Lord, we're looking forward to you building your church, adding to your church, doing only what you're able to do. But would you bring us, number one, back to prayer? That we would be a people who pray, seeking your will, seeking those who are lost and separated from you, designed to do more than what we do. Lord, uh, minister to us, I pray. Help us to see your word, but uh, help us to have a sincere heart in wanting to know the answers for our dilemma, for our situation. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you read anything on this, you will find that many people in America are not interested in church. That's just a true statement. That's very factual. That's there. That's very recognizable. Um, church doors in many places, Uh, there's too many empty pews, too many empty chairs, Uh, buildings cost too much for the few people that use the building, but they're there. But how do we get the people inside? That becomes the question that has to yet be answered, explored, and challenged. Many people in our country think Christianity no longer represents what Jesus had in mind. Many people see that the church ought to be doing something else other than what it's doing. And many churches don't know what to do. They they meet every week, but There's no real input into society, the culture. Uh, There's those things that are being missed in many different ways, and we don't know what to do. And people are asking the question, why should I go to church? What's the purpose of it? And maybe we'll have to dig into that a little bit more, too, as we go along in this series. What is the real purpose of church? Why should I be part of a church? But many people in our country today again think that Christianity no longer really represents what Jesus had in mind. And that Christianity in our society is not what it was meant to be. Is not doing what the church should be doing. And there's people who are mad, upset about that, and they will not attend any so-called denominational church or organized church because they do not feel that it really fits into the social streams of today. Now, I'm just going to give you some dates and I want to just share this with you. I was reading it in a book and uh, it made a little sense, so I'm going to share it with you. In 1950 to 1980, the unchurch were looking at Christ and trying to figure out this person of Jesus Christ. And really dealing with Christ. And their question of where they were going to spend eternity. And that was a legitimate question back in his day and his time. and, And it still has some validity for today. Where would you spend eternity? And that's a question that every one of us has to answer. Because the reality is. We are going to spend eternity somewhere. But that was the leading question. Was about Jesus Christ. Who was he? What was his purpose? What effect does he have in my life? And then it moved on from Christ to community. If I'm saved then how do I work in my community to show Christ, to help people in my community? And then it went from the community to the cause in the community. What was the greatest cause? What was the greatest work? What, What was it that needed to be done in the community that would be kingdom building, that would somehow be helping and those are the three things from 1950 to 1980. The Unchurch thought about Christ first, community, and then the cause that was in the community or the need that was in the community. Then there was a shift. It moved and went from 1990 to 2000. The Unchurch went to the community. The community became the main issue, in a sense. Uh, Not so much Christ, but the community. Uh, What's happening in our community? How do we build the community? How do we support the community? And then came Christ. And many people joined the church trying to help the community and didn't know Christ. Unsaved. And therefore, a lot of discipleship went on, different things took place because people were discovering Christ in order to really function and work in the community that they so desired to be a part of and wanting to assist in many different ways in that area. And after they really discovered Christ, then that third thing really popped back up, calls cause, but it was, it moved from Christ being first to community being first, and then community, people joined the church, just joining the church, not really knowing Christ, but as they discovered Christ, they also discovered the cause of what they need to work at in the community. Then in 2010 to present we went on from the area of community being first to the area of the cause becoming the first. What's important is the cause is the cause, not the community but the cause. not Christ but the cause. And now we have this whole area where what we look at is the cause the cause, and even with the church, if somebody get behind the cause, we let all the people in the church just for the sake of the cause, not for the sake of Christ, everybody comes in, we meet, we meet, and everything else for the cause, and we get caught up with the moment and the time in which we're in. And we're still in that area today, the cause. And we have a lot of causes out here now that people are rallying behind, marching about this and that, and about the police issue, political issue, uh, the justice issue, the equality issue, uh, the uh, women, uh, slave trafficking. We have all these causes that are out here. And they have taken our major focus rather than Christ. Christ may be the last thing people think about. Even in our family structures, in those homes that are called good families or look like good families, the name of Jesus might be the last thing spoken. A devotion or a Bible study in those homes may be the last thing even thought about in those homes, if they're even taking place. Bible study in a home, uh, a family Bible study in the evening may not be taking place. Uh, A a lot of men who are not in church have no interest in leading their families in the evening in a devotion time or a Bible study or a prayer time. Uh, It's just not there. Is not something that is even talked about much until Sunday. And on Sunday, uh, we talk about Jesus for a little bit, and then it's over. Then it's back to everyday life. We are finding ourselves drifting further and further away from the main thing of life, Jesus Christ, the one who gives us life. We live in a culture... That says, yes, God, in a sense. Very few people deny God, even when they don't know God. They say, yes, they believe in God. Yes, God. Therefore, God. But don't live for God. They say, yes, God, but here comes the no, no church yes, God, no church. And that's the part that doesn't make sense that we're going to look at here in a few months in scripture. If you are saved and you're saying, yes, God, the Holy Spirit places you into the body of Christ in order for service to take place in church that you can be built up and then be able to use this service outside of church. Now, you use your service and your gifts in two areas in church, outside of church. Both are used. Many a people in church use the gift of encouragement as they greet and speak and encourage other people. Many people in church use the gift of kindness as they show kindness to other people within the church to help them and to minister to them. Uh, There are many things that go on within the church life that we rub against each other, that build each other and help each other. It's important to be in a church, part of a church body, because if you're not there And you're off on your own. The Holy Spirit is not really going to use you. Because you're not in the place where he would have you to be to really be used. And you won't know how the Holy Spirit works in your life until you allow yourself to start right there at the home base, right at the church. So a lot of people say, yes, God, but no church. No church. Why? Because they see too many problems in the church. They see too many phonies in the church, hypocrites in the church. Well, that can be an excuse because we're all hypocrites in a sense. We say one thing, we do something else. And we're all learners, We're all having to learn, and that's just part of the church, and people will have their opinion, and oftentimes when people express their opinion, their opinion may not coincide with God's word or agree with God's word, and people will wonder, well, where did that come from? And that's one of the reasons sometime in church when we speak, we need to give a chapter and verse. Uh, we need to be able to back it up with what God's word is saying, not just our opinion. But the church is full of opinionatedness. And we need to somehow curb that as possible, especially when we're talking of the work of Jesus Christ or the life of Christ, or about the church. Secondly, church has stolen God's reputation, some believe. Um, God is not the centerpiece of the church. It's some pastor, Is some deacon, Is some this. Uh, Christ is not the authoritative individual in the church. And we need to reestablish that, that Jesus Christ is the authoritative one in the church. There is no higher authority than Jesus Christ in his word. And that needs to be established in every church. And sometimes need to be stated in order for people to be reminded. Is not the pastor. Is not the deacon board, the elders board. Is not some board. The highest authority in the church is Jesus Christ. And I know too often we don't take time to pray to hear what he's saying and what he wants. But we need to teach ourselves to do that. Now, a lot of people also see the church as politically controlled. Uh, it's a democracy. It's all this voting, and and some people can outvote other folks, and they don't know two hoots of God's word. But but they gonna vote on something, and that's the church today in which we have to function in. There there's no requirement that you have to know God's word in order to vote on a specific issue or whatever, and you may be voting totally wrong because you have no knowledge of God's word. But here again, this is where we're at today with this thing called the church. And some people do see that the church is too political. It has to do this, this way, and that way. And we get involved in too many political issues even outside the church, let alone what's going on inside the church. And then thirdly, a lot of people see the church as a materialism, that of wealth. So we have somehow bought into building some very grand churches, elaborate churches, beautiful churches, wealthy churches. They look more like the Marriott than the church, if that can be said. Um, it's not that we should not build elaborately for the lord but somehow there has to be a curving on that somehow there's something that has to change because the world looks at what we build and then they are questioning does it take all of that in order to go into a place of worship Uh, that materialism is there We are in a tough cultural world where people have their opinions, have their thinking. Whether we're being wasteful of money, whether one person's being overly paid for what he does and his ideals, we're in a mess. And that's one of the things that is really hurting the church in the area of growth. But would you take your Bibles, and I know it's been a good little few minutes of me going on here, but I think we'll see some of it here, and we'll try to understand. I don't want to try to curtail this thing or go around this thing. I really like to hit it as they would say head on. The church has a work to do. And I'm part of the church. And I love the church. And we have to face a very difficult situation that I have admitted to myself. I don't know the answers for it. And the only one who does is God. But the only place I can come back to is this word. To console my heart. And to believe that God's going to do something. I don't know exactly what but he's going to do something. So go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Many of you know this verse quite well, 16:18, And I just want to remind us of something that I think is very important that as I hear church people speak, I think we got to get back to correctly saying what we're saying. And I know what you're saying sometimes. It is your church. That's the church you attend, that's the church where you go for Bible study, that's the church where you go for Bible for uh for prayer meeting, that's the church that you're involved in. I, I understand that my church. But the ownership of that church, do you really see yourself owning it? Or do you see yourself as a privileged individual attending a church that God has established for you in your neighborhood to attend the church that you attend do you see it as something that God has built that Jesus has built that you might be able to take part in is not something that you built is not yours is not yours to control is not yours to say who can come in or who can leave is not yours to say this or that about You just have the privilege of participating there, but it's God's church. And what you want is God's will in his church. So in Matthew 18, I want you to catch this. I kind of like underlined it in my Bible as I was going through this. This is an area I didn't have underlined. I said, boy, maybe this should really be underlined to really emphasize and remind me. It's not my church because sometimes I hear people say, that's Pastor Brown's church. No, it's not. No, it's not. I, I know what they mean. That's where I work at. That's where I pastor at. But I don't own nothing there. It's not mine. It's God's church. Every bit of the land is God's church. Every piece of grass, every weed, every brick is God's church. And I like the way he says that in 18. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I, speaking of himself, I, not going to get into the issue of, of the rock being Peter or what some other interpretations might say. I don't want to get it. I want to get on that I. I will build, now catch this, my church, I will build, not your church, not Pastor Brown's church, not Pastor so-and-so's church, not this over here, I will build my church. I'm not building a church for Peter, not Peter's church. I will build my church. And always got to come back to that issue. And those who don't want to attend church because they say it's somebody else's church, they need to be reminded, no, it's not. It's God's church. It's the church that Jesus built, not that some man built. We need to be reminded of that. Yes, praise God, he might have used us in some way to do something to help build his church. But he's the one who's building the church. He's the one who has used a number of individuals to build a church. And it's my church, now I catch it, his purpose. He says it's my church being built. And I believe he's building that church for a purpose, for his purpose, not my purpose, his purpose. And we need to be reminded of that, that Jesus Christ had a purpose for building a church. Now, you say, well, the church is not a building of brick and mortar. And you are correct. It is a designated place, however, For people gather, because the basic meaning of the word church is called out once. We're called out to meet someplace with Christ, with each other. And there's a lot of people on Sunday that are not called out anywhere. They don't even get out of bed. They don't even leave their address. They don't even go up the street on the corner. They don't go anywhere, anytime, most of the year, right home in bed, and very seldom step into any place that you could call a church where a few people are meeting, whether it be two or three. And that's something we got to get back to. It's not my church. It's not the pastor's church. It's not the deacon's church. We got to get back to who rightly owns this thing called church. And it's Jesus Christ. He said, I will build my church. Now, I want to emphasize something in this whole process the word build. He didn't say it was going to be a building, he didn't say it was going to be, but there's something that he is actively working at that is his that is his, and he calls it my church. He's working at that which is his, and he calls it my church. And then he makes this other statement. The very gates of Hades, or Satan himself, will not be able to overcome it. The church may be small, the church may be weak, the church may be struggling, the church may be things that people don't like and they have their different opinions about it, but one thing that is sure, Jesus has made this proclamation, it will be here, the church will be here, in some form, some shape, the church will be here. That people will be able to meet and gather. That doesn't mean maybe in a church building. It may be in some little basement. It may be in somebody's house. It may be in somebody's barn. In their garage. Uh, We don't know. But the thing is this. They'll be able to meet in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's his church that's meeting. And wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's there. And I hear a lot of people say, this is the church. And nowhere does it say in scripture that this is the church. It does say this is the temple. And the temple is where God dwells here. But he says, I'm going to build my church. And that word church, again, if I can remind you, are called out once. You've been called out to meet together with other believers. And you need to be able to practice that. If you're trying to be a Christian by yourself, you are the most miserable, defeated Christian there is. And you are useless when it comes to the things of God. Because you have not been trained in the things of God. And you're only doing what you think you are are right in doing and what God may want you to do. You have no idea of what God wants you to do. When's the last time you even prayed or asked God what he wants you to do? When have you been with a bunch of people or a few people where you've struggled in prayer asking God, is this your will? See, if you're missing all that, Because you're just staying at home. I'm not going to say you're not saved. I am going to say you're missing in action. You're missing in action. You're not involved. You're not participating in the church, in the work of God at all. You are missing in action. And that's because you choose to allow yourself to be missed in action. And a lot of you understand that language from the military, missing in action, that you really are missed. You're no longer part of that team. You're no longer part of that firing squad. You're no longer there actively involved in the Army, Marine Corps You are missing, and a lot of, Christian soldiers are missing in action because they're at home in bed. They're at home washing their car. They're at home at the golf course. They're somewhere else other than the church. And he says, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. That's the promise. He didn't say it wouldn't be small. He didn't say that it wouldn't have time of struggling. He didn't say that church life would be tough. But what he did say is this. The gates of hell will not overcome it. So the church is going to be here. No matter what. Now. I want us to turn this up, I'm going to show you a very difficult area where church life has to start. And oftentimes we don't see it, but he starts this right there in Acts eight at home. Timothy says, a man who doesn't see about his own home is worse than an infidel. So he starts this right at home. So in Acts eight, he simply comes to us and he says this here, But you will receive power, now catch this, power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you or in us, speaking to the apostles and so forth and speaking to us also. And you will be my witnesses. What is the purpose of the Holy Spirit? Being in your life? To be what? To be a witness of Jesus. Now look where it starts at. He says in Jerusalem. Boy. Lord, don't they have enough religious-osity already in Jerusalem? Don't they have enough Pharisees to take care of? Of Jerusalem enough Sadducees don't don't they have enough religious folks in Jerusalem but Jerusalem was their home. Jerusalem was the place that was all messed up from the floor to the ceiling Jerusalem was a religious place but all messed up. Religiously. Had a belief in God. But the wrong belief. Had a bunch of action. Going on. For God. But the wrong action. The wrong work. Had a lot of readings. But wasn't following what they were reading. Wasn't believing what they. We're reading, and he says we're we're going to start this work at, of church building, is right here in Jerusalem. Right here in this religious capital, where all these sacrifices take place, where all these priests are, and where all these educated individuals are. We're going to start right here right in your own home. You know the hardest place to be a Christian is right there in your own home. Men, the hardest place for you to really show your Christianity is right there with your own children, your own wife. To be everything that Christ has called you to be right there at the house is the hardest place for you to be a Christian. To be that priest in your own home. To pray with your own children. To pray with your own wife. To guide them in spiritual matters. See, it's not sending your son to the pastor to get pastoral advice. It's not sending your daughter, your wife, or anybody from your home That advice should always start with you first. Nothing wrong with using a pastor to come to get further advice, maybe to to even check advice, but dad, it starts with you. Husband, it starts with you. Scripture tells us of the wife, woman, if you learn anything, learn it at home with your husband. Ask your husband first. And that's hard for us. But he says, boy, we're going to start in Jerusalem, where all this religiosity is at. We're going to start in your own home, in your own backyard. We're going to start in Jerusalem. And then he says, once you get it into Jerusalem, and we get a start in Jerusalem, then we'll go to Judea. That's just outside of Jerusalem we we'll go to Judea, one of the neighboring towns. We'll, we'll just go to that area now. See who wants to live here and go there? It, we have to learn to make a sacrifice. We have to learn sometime to do more than just what is convenient or what's close by. And he says, then we're going to go on over to Judea. And we're going to build another church. We're going to witness there. We're going to work at it. And then to those awful people who we call dogs and those people we don't like and those people who don't look like us and those people who don't act like us. We're going to go over there, and we're going to build a church and be part of a church there. And No, no, let's let them be to themselves. Let's let them Samaritans just be Samaritans. You don't know them people, God. Uh, they're not worthy of that. Uh, God, they're not like that. They don't worship the way we worship. They don't sing the way we sing. They don't hum the way we hum. They don't do the things we do. And he says, no, we're going to go to the Samaritans. How often do we criticize the church today for being what it is? It's a black church. It's a white church. It's a Chinese church. It's a, it's a Vietnamese church. It's It's a Puerto Rican church. We named the church after the people rather than call it God's church. The church that Jesus Christ said he would build. We have found ourselves or taught ourselves to be comfortable in the church with people Who are like us. That's not what God would have. That's just a social norm, a social behavior. Right or wrong, I'm not going to get into that issue because that can be a long drawn out right or wrong argument. But the question is this is it what God intended? God said, his house was for all people. And I think that's where we need to leave it sometime. That the church is for all people. Not for this group of people. That group of people. Or this other group of people. Or the, it's for all people. And some place. We got to deal with that as the church. And that's one of the things. About the church. The, the church Today. Is still the most prejudiced institution in the United States. And we got to ask ourselves some hard questions about that. When will we become more diverse? When will we allow this to take place and that to take place in a church? It is better than what it has been. But for a younger generation, that's one of the issues that is not happening fast enough. We're not moving that way fast enough, especially for the G, the Z generation, who have basically taken on the whole issue of changing the diversity of the United United States and of the people from being a white majority to a really more of a mixed majority. And that's their goal. Into Samaria. And then to the other most parts of the world. God means to build his church. And he's going to do it. No matter what we think. If it's right or wrong. God's going to do it. And he's already promised us. The gates of hell is not going to prevent his work or stop his work. It's going to be his church. And he's going to do it. And he tells us even in Acts that he adds to the church as he sees fit. That is something sometimes we have to really grapple with. Could you imagine a million people, but God only sees three people that He would pick out of that million to be part of His church? Boy, I could never imagine that. But could that be a reality? Could it be the reason we're small or the reason we're not growing as a church because God is not adding the numbers that He once added? Much to give thought to. But I want to encourage you. If you're not in church, ask yourself this question, why not? What is your reason? Who are you blaming? What is it that's keeping you out of church? If you say you love Jesus and you're saved, What's keeping you from being a part of his church? Wouldn't it be much better to be inside the church, helping to solve issues and work through problems, having some type of contribution towards something that could be meaningful, than just standing outside the church, criticizing it and throwing bricks and rocks and calling it all type of names, but not helping at all. I think it would be far better if you were a part. Even if you were an agitator, even if you were someone who totally disagreed with the church, you need to be there in the church, allowing God to speak through you and, and allowing him to use you with the gifts that he's given you. The church... Is a failure. Not because of Jesus Christ. Because he is going to build his church. If there's any failure in the church. It's right here. We have to look at ourselves. We can't point the finger this way. The only way this finger can point. Is right here. Won't you be a part Won't you help build? Won't you make the sacrifice to give all that you can give? I'm not talking about money. Of yourself. To the church of the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He saved you for that purpose. Don't miss that purpose. That he saved you to be involved in his work, in his kingdom, in his church. He loves you. Thank you for allowing me this time. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you. I pray that something that is said will spark, will encourage, will ignite a flame, will do something in your heart to stir you to do more than what you're doing for the church of the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, again, I want to say thank you. God bless you. God keep you. And we're going to be on this subject for about two, three weeks. Because God wants to speak to us on this subject. And he's going to do it. Remember, he said he will build his church. And Satan will not stop it. He didn't say it wouldn't be small. He didn't say it wouldn't be a burden. He didn't say it wouldn't be hard. He didn't say you wouldn't have some potholes. He didn't say, boy, there's going to be trouble. He says, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Remember that. His church. Not your church. His church. God bless you. God keep you. We love you. Hope to hear from you. Hope to see you one day in Akron Island fellowship, just stop by and visit with us. Oh, we'll greet you with open arms. We love you. God bless you. God keep you. See you next Sunday. Bye-bye.